outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU podcast. It is game week. We are here. We are here. And as of this recording, the game's going to be moved to Norman, even though Tulane's athletic director is playing a game of semantics that it's not necessarily finalized. But uh, as we all know, with the Hurricane Ida situation down in Louisiana, it's just not very feasible for the game to be played down there uh, in any conducive fashion. So uh, with that, our thoughts and prayers on this podcast, and I'm sure with Everybody listening are, of course, with the state of Louisiana and everybody down there. Uh, this is we, we've been uh, a little bit more cognizant of Mother Nature's <laughs> uh, grip on us as human beings over the last year. Uh, so the last thing we wanted was another natural disaster of any type. And even though we're all excited for football, uh, hopefully we all understand that there are more important things out there. Football will still be played. It's just probably not going to be played in New Orleans, per all reports from Oklahoma side. Uh, the game will be moved to Norman. We're recording this podcast at around 11.45, so I'm sure more information will come in the next few hours. And no doubt, by Lincoln Riley's press conference tomorrow, uh, there will be exact information as to what's going to go down, tickets, all those, all those things uh, for a now-home game somewhat in Norman, Oklahoma this Saturday against the Tulane Green Wave. But if you're wondering, hey, why is Inside OU dropping on a Monday? It's not the fan edition. It is a special preseason prediction uh, edition with my now post-game on 107.7 The Franchise, the Sooner post-game show that you can hear after OU's post-game show following the game on the radio. My co-host, Mr. Chisholm Holland, who also hosts Monday through Friday, you know this, on Triple M Ranch from three to six with Sam Mays Chisholm. Welcome to my kitchen and the show. I'm jealous of your kitchen. I like the way your place is set up. It's very nice in here. I appreciate you having me. Uh, looking forward to a very fun season. It's already starting off with a few wrinkles, right? We can't even get <laughs> can't even get the season started in a normal way for two straight years. I uh, I'm sure that you have seen the uh, Tulane athletic director's tweet, who quote tweeted Jason Kersey. It says, "I can confirm that no decision on football." Get, on the football yeah. game this week has been finalized. Hashtag unnamed sources. I like the troll job there by Troy. Um, here's my immediate thought. semantics, man. It's like this is there's no time. No, 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 no time to be pulling dick. So yeah, yeah. So I thought my immediate thought was okay. So this guy's just being a jerk to Jason for no reason, and maybe he is. I thought okay, but what scenario would there be where he would make a point to say that? Do you think they're trying to find a neutral site? I I was I was told. Friday that the plan B if there was going to be a plan B because at that point it was still kind of viewed as all right the hurricane's probably moving a little bit more west New Orleans might get some they'll get yeah. some flooding but uh, everything should be up and running by Tuesday was is what uh, was told to me and if the game had to be moved at all that Norman would be kind of a last ditch effort which would imply that it would be moved to some upstate Louisiana venue right which is what I like what went through my so brain. I'm curious if he's you know calling around to a few places that are a lot closer to Tulane and seeing if there's a neutral site that would host the game this weekend. I assume that's probably what the holdup is. Yeah. And if they can keep this, the game in the state of Louisiana, I'm sure that's their preference. Or, you yeah, know, and that, that was something that I was kind of afraid of because this is going to be super spoiled fan of me because, um, of course, the important thing is hopefully very little destruction and, of course, very little death down in Louisiana, but I think I've already seen already one death confirmed. Yeah. Um, of course, New Orleans is basically without power, and it looks like it can be anywhere from a few days to a few weeks. And Oklahomans and Texans that listen to this podcast, of course, are very familiar with 
loss of power from natural disasters and how long and tedious and annoying that can be. So again, thoughts and prayers for Louisiana. But what I was potentially afraid of was they either FEMA, the parish, like whatever agency has to deal with, like deciding if the game can be played at, uh, to, at Yulman Stadium. If they just literally went up to the stadium and said, all right, the stadium is safe. You can have people come in. You can have them line up outside the stadium. It's fine. But the city of New Orleans is literally like black or underwater somewhat. The pull of this road game was to go have fun in New Orleans. I do not simply want to try to drive through a disaster-torn city just to go watch a football game The you know <laughs> of which we all know what's going to happen. Oh, he's going to win big. So I hope it wasn't going to be something like that where the game can be played in Tulane and we're just going to do it because that's what we want. We want the gate price. We want the gate uh, admissions yeah. money that's going to come for this game. But OU fans coming to Louisiana will have to deal with, yeah, your hotel might not have power. Or it's all the bars and restaurants are going to be closed. That, to me, is just pointless and kind of defeats the entire purpose of this game. Um, and if it's moved to an upstate Louisiana venue, I'm sorry. All due respect to Alexandria, Louisiana, hometown of Rufus Alexander. Way to put a random uh, town like that. Uh, just some, some, something, some town up, upstate Louisiana. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to any other town in upstate Louisiana uh, I don't want to spend the money because I was fully prepared to spend the money for the New Orleans experience. So that's my spoiled fan take. But yeah. I would assume that a lot of OU fans are probably thinking, if the game is played in New Orleans, but my hotel doesn't have my power or my Airbnb doesn't have power, I'm not going to go. Yeah, I, I don't see the point in that. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I think this is uh, this is just like everything else in the world, man. And so I won't belabor it, but it's like a compounding issue. Like I can't. I have to assume the Tulane Athletic Department is hurting for cash after last year. So they probably don't want to forfeit a home game this season. It's not as easy just saying like, well, hey, three or four years from now, when we were supposed to play in Norman, we'll just play at Tulane instead. Yeah. I'm sure the athletic department's going, no, 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 no. We need the money now. We need it now. After last year, we can't wait the four or five years. Um, and so I'm sure that's part of the thought process. But And you would hope, and th this will probably be right before we get into our season predictions, because this is, of course, the important thing to talk about, but... I would hope that if the game is indeed played in Norman, which I think it is going to be played in Norman at this point, hopefully some gestures are kind of given. Like, whether that's... Because when Katrina hit 16 years ago, LSU was supposed to play Arizona State at LSU Stadium. The game had to get moved to Arizona State. Yeah. And Arizona State, as a gesture of good faith, they painted their field LSU colors. You know, that's that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but it's sure. just something nice. Um, if OU wears their white uniforms at home, that would be cool for OU fans that never get to see them on the road. Hey, here are their white uniforms that you never get to see. It's just little things like that. Or if half the proceeds um, at the gate go to uh, Tulane's university or a hurricane relief fund, something like that, I would assume that OU is not going to treat this like, all right, we get a free home game. Yeah. And we're going to keep all the money. Like yeah. that, That's just bad PR. Yeah, I've seen people speculate about the Cotton Bowl and stuff like that. I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if this ends up somewhere in East Texas or... You know, possibly northern Louisiana. I mean, I don't rule out anything. After after the Coastal Coastal Carolina-BYU game last year, seriously, that was like a marker for me. I'm like, oh, well, these athletic directors can do anything well, they want to do. that game was played in front of no fans, wasn't it? No, 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 no. Was it a... In Carolina? South yeah. Carolina? No, 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 dude. They're packing that place. <laughs> was it packed? No, not... Uh, COVID-packed. Whatever the limited capacity That's, was. That was kind of my hang-up, because people would bring up Coastal Carolina and BYU, and I would just think... Selling tickets is the easy part, though, man. Well, 
who gets the money for a game that was not previously scheduled? Because that that's the suits care about that. Yeah. Do we care about that? No. Like we just want to watch the game. We want to be entertained. And then for us, like we want to have something to break down and sure. not have to talk about off season crap. Sure. So um, that's you know the important thing hopefully you know if it if it's not played in norman and it absolutely has to be played at some neutral site hopefully it's like friday night lights where you know lincoln riley and Tulane's head coach like meet in some farm field and Tulane's head coach is like yeah we're playing here and lincoln riley's like you say no. they, should, they should do like a field of dreams version here see here's where i'm going to show my uh, everybody knows i don't really like baseball that much yeah I've never seen the movie i know there's a cornfield i know it's kind of like what dream it's kind of the whole plot yeah yeah, it's like a whimsical thing. I just uh, the whole have a catch thing. I saw Kevin Costner recently talked about that. Like I've never said have a catch, and it sounded weird coming out of my mouth. But I guess it's an East Coast thing. I don't know. Yeah, and then East Coast immediately were like, "Yeah, we don't say that." <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I I'm open to whatever. I'm open to whatever. I don't know. I plan on the moon, bitch. I, I'm the worst person to talk to about this stuff because I'm like, are they gonna play football? Like. I get yeah. that there's a lot of convenience for a lot of people out there. I'm like, well, this is what I want. I'm like, well, I don't really care. Like, yeah, as long as I, as long as this game gets played, and we don't have to do the whole circus of rescheduling this into a bye week, or you know, OU plays one less game than everybody else, and then I have to have that fake conversation of, does the fact that OU played 11 games mean is that going to hold them back in the college football playoff, which is just complete garbage? But people would ask me about it. Anything that saves my mental health is what I'm here for. Yeah, and of course, if the game is played in Norman, is it going to be at 11 a.m.? Of course it is. I already got I. I'm gonna say I got 15 text messages today asking me that, <laughs> and I and I hate to be this guy. I don't know nothing about anything, bro. I know nothing about anything, and so when people ask me that, I'm like, I have no clue. Check Twitter, see what Twitter says. Exactly, Twitter knows everything. Per all these reports, by the way, there is no confirmed kickoff time, at least from the unnamed sources. Yeah. Hashtag. I have heard. I have been told the rumor that 11 a.m. is probably where they're leaning. If that does anything for anybody, of, but that could probably change by the time this podcast posts. Of course wouldn't be OU football if it wasn't played at 11 a.m but again are they allowed to play at night do you th- think that do no, you think the I, OU coaches have a fear of playing in the dark yeah it's I mean cowards were you scared of the dark as a child I don't remember having a fear of the dark yeah. I, I but I always had some type of I will say this like when I even as an adult I don't like sleeping in pitch black darkness I like there to be some kind of subtle light oh no no, no. I'm all in on the pitch black like the noise, though, is what gets me. I grew up in the country. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, like, uh, it's silent out there besides, like, locusts and like, Locust maybe a coyote and every so often. And, yeah, yeah, like, so there's not a lot of noise. And then when I moved into town, quote-unquote town, if that's what you want to call where I grew up. Big, the big city. Yeah, the big city. If you count when I moved into town, like, I couldn't sleep at night because of cars and semis and all that stuff because we lived on the highway. And that's talking Chisholm's past home life. <laughs> How big is Marlowe? The amount of people or a class? Or, or square miles, because I can answer all those questions. Acreage. A- I can't do acreage. <laughs> it's exactly one mile by one mile, which makes it like the easiest thing to remember ever. Well, that's perfect. It's 5,500 people, and they're class 3A. Respect. There you go. Nailed it. Respect. And yes, let's get right... Actually, I haven't checked the new census report. Now that oh. I think about that, that came out this past couple months. I, I haven't checked since the new census. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but OKC got bigger. We did get bigger. We're 20th right now. We're over Boston. We're in the top 20. Allegedly. We're in the top 20 probably make a new year six bowl if we keep this up let's get right into the season predictions how much time do we just waste did everyone fast forward through that about 12 minutes i mean people want to know about the playing thing i would have fast forwarded it's it's important it's poignant was you know there's a good word you put descriptions in the podcast 
Uh, sometimes. Okay, whatever, whatever this time is right here, this is what you tell people to start listening. 12-minute mark. Yes. And once again, Chisholm Holland, Triple M Ranch, host, producer, and, of course, the host, the captain of the Sooner Post Game Show, which you can listen to on 107.7 The Franchise following every single Oklahoma Sooner game because we are the flagship station. Uh, I don't know if anybody knew that or if that's ever been well-documented, but we are. So there's that. Chisholm's going to be my co-host with that show, so I thought it'd be a good idea if we had something to kind of keep on record to hold us accountable to. And that is, of course, preseason predictions as we get into game week number one Oklahoma versus Tulane so we'll lay it out kind of just the overall picture first and Chisholm and I have fairly similar uh, outlooks for this season just like probably about the rest of the country does for OU going into the season I have them going 11 and 1 during the regular season I also have them going 14 and 1 overall and winning the national championship and Chisholm 11-1 11-1 and one regular season, big 12 chance, but uh, you did not feel comfortable with a projection for the playoff, whether it was an... You have them winning the natty. I do. Okay. And look, you should know this about me in the few years that we've worked together and known each other. I'm an OU fan. I'm not a sunshine bumper. Clearly by your national championship choice. Yeah, well, yeah. it's just because a combination of things. Returning talent, experience, okay. defense, depth. No, that's fine. I mean, and then the... You and Kirk Herbstreit can hang out on Saturdays. You'll have a lot of fun. And who was it? Joey Galloway? Or? Joey Galloway. Too, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Who was um, Desmond Howard picked OU? Oh, was it yeah, really? I, I, Joey Galloway picked Iowa State to win the Big Twelve Championship. Oh, okay, I believe because this is the sixth year in a row that he has not picked OU, and you know every That's year. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. I know. At some point, <laughs> one of these days he's going to be right. Well, he'll probably be right next season because OU will be in the SEC. It's a good point. It's <laughs> a good point. What What are we going to do when he picks OU to win the SEC in year one? We go really, Joey? Yeah, I, this I, is the time. What do we do? Like, I'm not prepared for this. Yeah, I am. If I was Joey Galloway, that's exactly what I would do. Oh, what a great bit that would be. Oh, golly. Regardless, yes, I you can. I guess I can be categorized as a sunshine pumping OU fan this year. There you go. Congratulations. I, I'm trying to think. I think as a fan, as not a, I was not a media member at the time. I was still in high school. The last time I went into a season thinking, oh, he's going to win a national title this year, was 2008. They got to the national championship yeah. game, and they lost to Florida. I can't tell you how many times people have brought DeMarco Murray to me now over the past oh, two weeks with God. all the running back stuff. Don't put Eric Gray kickoff return. Don't do <laughs> well, it. Not even that. Just going, it's it's it, the irony of DeMarco Murray being the running back coach, and the last time OU had a chance to win the national championship, he was the running back who got hurt. How is that irony? That's just I, a coincidence. I'm telling you, man, it, it is. That's not strong enough. Relentless. That relentless. Is not, that is not strong enough. Yeah. Um, can I give you my one big picture take here? Oh, of course, please. This uh, is the time. This is I don't even know if this is really a take. If they don't win the national championship, I'm going to roast them. Okay, I've been so, very public about this. So I've been writing about this a handful of times on Patreon, the through the keyhole thing, which of course you can subscribe to. And Keegan or Keegan, I'm good so, lord. I'm so used to talking to Keegan on this thing. But Chisholm, if you want a keyhole T-shirt, there's a box right behind you on the floor. Dope. I'll take one. There you go. I'll take one. Yeah. So is he, it wrinkly? Because I'll wear it to the casino today if it's not wrinkly. Oh um, no no no! They're they're fairly fresh. And okay. New. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, but no, here's my big, and this time because I really think they're gonna win it. I haven't made a national championship prediction yet uh, because I think this year is actually pretty wide open uh, as far as Agreed. I don't know. I, I, I struggle saying more than three, but let's call it five teams who I think could probably win it. Um, that being said, oh, you went to Big 12 Media Day and said that's the bar, right? Lincoln yeah. Riley, Jeremiah Hall, 
uh, both, specifically, not Nick Benito, surprisingly, uh, but both those guys said to my face, we're supposed to win the national championship this year. So, that being said, I'm not holding them to my standard. Because like I said, I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win it. I don't know if I think they're going to win it. But that's their standard. So if they yeah. don't win it, I, I think it's only my, my recourse to be like, yeah, you guys said you were going to do the thing, and you didn't. You came up short and hold them responsible to that standard. So I don't know if that's really a take, but that's my thought process going into this year. Yeah. Is you tell me you're going to do something. Okay. That's bold. Most college football teams don't do that. Nick Saban doesn't guarantee national – or doesn't say they're going to win national championships. Yeah, and look, like we can all – like you kind of just mentioned, like we have our own standard. There's their standard, and then kind of what I look at because the question I was going to ask you is kind of the reality of the situation. Uh, my standard, of course, is agreement with Lincoln Riley. Like they should win the national title this year. They there's no there are no excuses this year. In Lincoln Riley's previous seasons, you could have realistic excuses. Like the defense just simply was not good, or the defense just wasn't there quite yet. They are they have now crossed the threshold of there are no excuses. The defense is good enough. The depth is good enough. The experience on offense and the talent. There are no excuses, but. If the re- the reality of the situation is they could just simply play somebody who was better, whether that be Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, somebody from the Pac-12, somebody could just be unequivocally that team was really good. It, a 2019 LSU situation. If this yeah. OU team played 2019 LSU, OU would probably lose, and it would be frustrating. No, they would lose. I'm gonna go say that. <laughs> it would be frustrating, but you would probably kind of once you took a step back, man, that LSU team is very good. What what like what did you really expect? So the reality of the situation to me is what is the lowest form of a season that they can achieve where it's still somewhat of a success? And to me, it's just quite simply if they at least win a playoff game and lose in the national title game in some competitive fashion, not a blowout, not an embarrassment, not even what would uh, Ohio State went through last year not what Clemson went through a few years ago or Alabama went through a few years ago against Clemson. If they win a playoff game and lose by a field goal, lose by a touchdown in a competitive national title game against Georgia or whoever it may be, then that's disappointing. OU fans are upset, but at least they got the can't win a playoff game off your back. At least they showed that no OU is able to compete with the big boys and if they're able to keep up with the development of the de- of the defense and we all know Lincoln Riley is going to have top quarterbacks Caleb Williams is amazing according to all reports in camp and should be kind of taking that mantle um, over next year once Rattler leaves it'll just be basically a matter of time and hopefully luck kind of coincides with that matter of time of OU winning a national title at some point in the next few years yeah you want to talk about luck I mean obviously the fact that they are out of those five schools that I mentioned the only team returning a quarterback you know Georgia JT Daniels started half the year so I guess you want to throw him in there you're more than welcome to but uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, it's been the biggest storyline in college football. And so j- I'm not even talking about, like, let's hate, you know, Brady, let's go break that down. But just as far as luck goes, they're not having to go face some juggernaut who's had a three-year starter, right? Like, this isn't last year when Trevor Lawrence had been at Clemson for three seasons, and you go, oh, wow, that team's going to be really good because they have an experienced quarterback who's been there for a long time. Nobody has that outside of OU. Yeah, and again— So that's a check in their favor, right? Like, And that has nothing to do with what Oklahoma's done. That is pure luck. Yeah, that's the way that that's the way it worked out. And of course, and there are always there are always going to be people that if OU does win the national title and say that they don't play Alabama because Alabama just they either don't make the SEC title game and of course don't make the playoff. Sure, there are going to be people that say, well, OU won it, but they did it in a down year against Alabama. They did it in a down year for Clemson. Reloading years. If Georgia is like the best team you have to play, unless, it's a, like, team, unless a team with three losses makes the college football playoff, it's not a down year. 
Like that's no, just, I know that that's that's the reality. Like yeah, what you're talking about is is true, but they're always going to be there's always going to be a hill, unfortunately, for OU that they have to climb until they get to the SEC and until they win the SEC. If they well, ever then it'll do. be a down year in the SEC. Like people who are looking for like those like caveats yeah. are always looking for those caveats, and they just won't ever let up. I, th- I think that's a silly take, truthfully. Well, I mean, again, unless people on TV are silly. Unless it's a year that an eight and four team makes the college football playoff or a nine and three team, then I think you have a case to be made. But isn't I don't where, see that happening. Isn't that where the game is going if the ex- uh, playoff gets expanded? Uh, okay, then once we get to 16, yeah. that's a different wild, conversation. Wild, or a 12, wild card, like, eight and four team wins the national uh, not title. Not the Big Ten has anything to say about it. You can take that 12-team playoff and shove well, it. Here comes the alliance. Ugh, no. Well, let's get right into just kind of game by game. Either predicted Could scores. Could they come up with a better name than the alliance? No. It's like, what a stupid ner- name. It's nerdy. It's yeah, so, like... What d- that's like a name I would have came up with. When I'm kind of co- trying to come up with like segment ideas, and I had to put a name to it so we could try to get it sold. Like those are the that is something I would have came up with. Like that was such a low bar. Well, they could have called it the Rebel Alliance. The SEC could have been the Empire, and I guess the the well, Big Eight, the remaining Big Twelve schools, could have been like the Outer Rim. So it's like the go. Empire doesn't really have any. Like you can just kind of go out there and be so yourself. So does that mean we're Wookies? Am I following this right? Uh, Tatooine was an Outer Rim planet, okay. so that's why there was a lot more of scum and villainy on that planet. Gotcha. Not a lot of, not a big empire. Who's presence. our Han Solo then? Is that Riley or is Rattler? It, is it well, Oklahoma? Is it Oklahoma State? Are they Han Solo or Texas Tech? Who shot first, Oklahoma State or Texas Tech? That's, that's the a big good question. Qu- that is a good question. That's the question that we I'm hope really to trying answer. to think. I guess it'd be Tech because they're in the meetings, <laughs> <laughs> and they guns up. Yeah, there you go. Good call. Guns up. Yeah. So. We'll go through each game and either give a score prediction outright or just kind of general win-loss thoughts. Sure. What what you would want to see. Every well, score prediction I give will probably be different three days from now. Well, of course, because once we actually start seeing them play, it's like I'll either th- feel very good about these score predictions or I'll feel like, oh, my God, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you can you can look at a game like against a West Virginia or a Baylor and say, I can predict right now when I get on the post-game show – on 107.7 that this is what I would want OU to do in order for me to say good things about them. Otherwise, if they don't do those things, I'll be screaming about them. I'll be criticizing them, blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of where we're going to go with this. But we'll, of course, start with Tulane, which is probably going to be a home game for OU, somewhat of a home game for Tulane. We'll see how that gets sorted out here in the next few hours. But Chisholm, I have them winning uh, OU over Tulane, fifty-six to ten, and that would have been if the clear skies in New Orleans, yeah, uh, fifty-six to ten matchup. And really, I, I think the biggest thing for me for this game is it's a great opener for this OU team because if Tulane has a strength, it's you know running the ball on offense with their with the system they have, and it's fairly successful in their conference. Like the, the last year, they were a great rushing attack, and if this OU defensive line is as great as we have been told and what we've been talking about for the last four or five, six months, um, then a this is a great test to kind of open up the season, to open up the eyes of people who might be doubting OU because it's like, okay, I've heard this song and dance before from them. Until they have a defense, I don't care. But if they go out there and win 56-10 to 10 and simply keep Tulane's running, rushing offense more than in check, yeah, that's a very, very good outlook for the rest of the season from this front seven. I agree with that. Um I don't know if this is the same margin or not. My gut tells me 35-3. I agree with your assessment on the defense, and I think they do have a little bit of that no one still believes this mentality, which is kind of hogwash because two people on ESPN this weekend picked them to win the national championship. But I'm sure that's what they're saying in the room, right? 
Yeah. Then no one thinks that OU actually has a defense, even though now everyone thinks that OU has a defense. Um, so I think they're going to show up in that first game. I think Rattler's going to press. Rattler, whenever he's had the opportunity to like make a big statement or he feels like he can make a big statement, generally he presses and he gets a little ahead of himself and makes early mistakes. And so I think that really might see itself in week one because he knows he's the Heisman Trophy favorite. He knows that he's on the team that has a chance to win the national championship. And so I think the offense might be stagnant early. That's my gut. It's only really worked for him once when he's wanted to make a big statement. It was the Texas Tech game last year. Right. Other examples, other situations have been, hey, that was a great first half or that was a great fourth quarter, but the whole game was kind of like uh, unnecessarily up and down, but that's going to be, again, like what should we have expected from a team with a brand-new quarterback, new skill position players, somewhat of a patchwork offensive line with no offseason? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very telling. So I think the defense Even, is going to be impressive, and the offense is going to is not struggles the wrong word. The thirty five points, but the offense is going to be. Oh, you fans are going to be like, what the hell's wrong with the offense? I think that's going to be the conversation after the two lane game. So, as we go further and further into the schedule, uh, go, going back to to what I was saying earlier about the offense last year, where they'd look great for a few drives and they'd kind of go on cruise control and stagnate, and then they'd come back to life and win the game for the most part. Sure, we'll be able to tell that is kind of a thing of the past, even against Tulane, right? Because, I mean, we, we saw this we saw this team, basically the same offense, yeah. struggle at times to keep their foot on the gas. So, again, like Tulane, yeah, nothing to write home about defensively, and from a talent standpoint, it's just, you know, it's, it's no, no question who's better here. But this is a game where OU needs to look good. And even a 35-3 to game where, let's say, you know, Rattler's pressing, maybe there's some misthrows, maybe there's an interception. Um, yeah. You, I just hope that, there, there are mistakes out of aggression, not mistakes out of. Oh, I mean, I whether it's play calling, whether it's just the offense looking completely different than it did five minutes ago. That's what I don't want to see. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, last year I always really struggled wrestling with the idea of when those stagnations came on offense. Was it the play calling? Was it the offensive line? Was it, you know, wide receiver drops, or was it Spencer Rattler? Uh, and time and time again, in the moment, for me. It always felt like Rattler. Um, like the Texas game comes to mind with that goofy reverse, where I was like, "Okay, what are we doing?" Yeah, um, like that. Like that's <laughs> the first thing that jumps out, and then a, a Theo Weiss dropping in the, in the end zone against Iowa State as well. Uh, but outside of that, it always felt like Rattler was up and down and trying to, you know, make the big play um, and live up to the jersey a little bit, as opposed to just playing the position of quarterback and being maybe the most talented player out there on the field. And so that's what my expectation is, is that maybe instead of taking a 15-yard out route to Austin Stogner or throwing a slant over the middle to uh, Theo Weiss on a third and seven and just moving the chains, you know, he tries to complete the 55-yard, holy crap, did that guy just win the Heisman on one throw pass to Jaden Hazelwood up the sideline. Like, I think that's what we're going to see against Tulane. Either way, big OU victory uh, between Chisholm and I. Western Carolina... The, these games, all I think about is... There won't ever be a line on this. There shouldn't be. All I think about with games like this is nobody gets hurt. Both sides, of course, but mainly for OU. I mean, even Kansas, I kind of throw into this because everybody kind of is, well, Kansas is like a bye week, so that's, no, no, it's not. Lincoln Riley is not going to literally start all the second stringers. He's going to play all the first stringers, and it's just another opportunity for guys to potentially get hurt. So sure. hopefully, uh, it's just... I, I put 48 to 14 because it's just... All right, we've made the statement. More points for Western Carolina than Tulane for you. I like that. I um, mean, they'll, they'll get deep in the third and fourth stringers. Yeah, I agree. Your, your Joseph Wettes will be playing. <laughs> wow, straight Joseph Wettes. Uh, I'll say 
shutout. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it should. It absolutely should be. I, do we know if Western Carolina is worse than Missouri These State? sound like I'm going to be really positive on this podcast. That's not going to happen. Just so enjoy these first few games. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to say 56 Do we know if Western Carolina is better or worse than Missouri State? OSU opens with Missouri yeah. State. Oh, you played them last year. I Well, this is the top of my head. I think when I looked up Western Carolina earlier this year, they were 2-7 and seven last year. Hey, that's hey, that's not that's awful. That's <laughs> it's awful. It's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, they were. Well, I uh, looked at the top. Or sorry, the bottom twenty-five Division One programs in college football last week, and they weren't there. So that'll have to work. So they're at least twenty-six. They're better. I'll, I'll ask you a off-the-cuff question: Does anybody fall in love with a a skill position player because of this game? Whether that's oh a, yeah. Um, a Jaden Knowles. This strikes me as a Mario Williams game. The potential third running back, uh, also known as the Weatherman. Uh, he had a good little showing in the spring game. He's probably going to get somewhat of a workload this season for obvious reasons. Uh, you say Mario Williams. Like, yeah, this is... I mean, this strikes me as a game. They're up 35-0 in the second half, and Mario Williams takes like a, a reverse 42 yards to the end zone. And everyone's yeah, like, and oh, that guy should play more. Exactly. And hell, Marvin Mims showed out against Missouri State last year. He had a big punt return. He had a big touchdown catch. And... That did not turn into, well, he just did that against Missouri State. No, Marvin Mims was pretty fucking good. So Yeah. I believe there. You can still find talent in games like this. Now This is also be the game where people are like, Oh, I mean that Caleb Williams kid's pretty good. Which that's always exhausting for me. I'm like, yeah, he was the highest rated quarterback in the class. Did you think he was gonna suck? I'm shocked. Yeah, what, what what did you think was gonna happen? Real quick, um one of our uh, weird kind of like we had a weird preseason prediction uh podcast last Tuesday on Through the Keyhole. One of mine was we would see a Micah Bowens package before we ever saw like a Caleb Williams package. Oh, okay. I like that. You like that? I like that. I, I think Caleb's That's just like gonna, a Chandler Morris call-off, right? Like that's kind of what you're thinking? Kind of, like because we've seen this already with, like, like you mentioned, Chandler Morris, Kyler Murray, of course, when Baker was here. Yeah, but he was actually the backup, so a little different. A little different, but I just – Caleb's just going to be your legitimate number two, and Micah showed that he's fast as hell. So And he's the at best the fourth-string quarterback. Apparently, hell, is he going to play running back? <laughs> that, that's another thing. I got 50 text messages on the show was, can they move Micah Bowens to running back? And I'm like, I don't think Micah Bowens is interested in playing running back. Brian Darby and Brian Asamoa, high school running backs. Food, there you go. F- food for thought. They put Perry on Winfrey at fullback. That's my move. Oh, the fridge. The fridge. There, let's do that. Let's move to Nebraska. Who 100 have, to 0. As of this recording, of course. 200 know, to 0. Nebraska is already 0-1 on the can season. Can Nebraska actually get out of this game? Like, I know they tried to get out this offseason. Can they do it now? Here's, I don't want to watch this. Here's the weird thing that we technically have to say. After playing Tulane in Western Carolina, there will be a step up in talent. It's Nebraska. Will there? They're a, yes. We have will to, there? We have to technically say that. In turn, Look at recruiting rankings. But if the talent makes stupid decisions and plays worse than the less talented player, who would you rather have? Also a coaching problem. I did not say it's going to be a step up in coaching. Definitely not a step up from coaching. Uh, people I don't even know very, who the Western pe- Carolina coach is. Give me him over Scott Frost right now. People were very up in arms about my uh, Scott Frost's Nebraska's John Blake tweet over the weekend. I really don't get it. Yeah, it tracks for me. Like, sure, sense. Scott Frost had success prior to Nebraska, whereas John Blake did not have success as a head coach anywhere. He was never a head coach before Oklahoma. Uh, but I'm mainly talking about the time at said program. Yeah. I don't give a crap about the, the past. But as we've seen, I think um, – See Scott Frost. Don't don't use UCF as like, oh, see, he's a great head coach. No, Josh Heupel won a ton of games at UCF, and so is Gus Malzahn. Yeah. So don't lose me with that shit. 
Yeah, this Scott feels like- Frost is not good. He's a fraud. And it pains me to say because when he was hired, Chisholm, I was very excited because I bought, I drank the Kool-Aid. I wanted to believe that Scott Frost could bring Nebraska back because I was looking forward to this game. Like, hey, yeah. if he gets the ball rolling, that's going to be a big game. It might even be a 7 o'clock game. No, I think anybody who thought Nebraska was on the way back with Scott Frost was probably using, you know, fair logic. Yeah. What we saw Scott Frost do at UCF was really really unbelievable and I think people forget that and even they his went play winless calling. four years before they went undefeated yeah and and even his play calling at Oregon you can even kind of point to well that was a system that was implemented prior to him and the yeah. town at Oregon during his time was you know it was top five top ten of the country so yeah, I don't know but I think I think I think I think having hope that Scott Frost was going to be able to do it makes sense I think it did so sure no, no harm no foul there but yeah yeah I ha- I legitimately, have- I'll say 49-17. Yeah, I, say, I, I have 55-17. Okay, there you go. I think this is going to be a game where OU doesn't necessarily call off the dogs out of respect, but they still play this game hard. Like this is, Oh, yeah. This is going to be their kind of announcement to the country uh, that, hey, this team is fully legit. And what I mean by like not calling the dogs off, like, yeah, they're not going to run four verts and deep in the third quarter or the fourth quarter with Spencer Rattler and all the starters. But this is a game where I feel like they're going to lead the defense in there and preserve like, in, like if it's 55 to 10, like do not let them score again. Like you, you keep them where they're at and just kind well, this of, is one of those, your will. This is one of those games too, where the backups are like fired up to get in. You know what I mean? Like the second, third stringers like, oh, crap, this is my chance to make a big play against Nebraska, and then I'm going to be up at the press box going, well, this isn't really Nebraska. Um, But, you know, so, yeah, I agree. I think this is a a pretty easy one. And my big thing with this game is I hope OU wins even more than my prediction of 55-17 to because Scott Frost was the quarterback when Nebraska came to town in Norman when OU was down in the dumps, just like Nebraska is, and Nebraska didn't call off the dogs. Yeah. So, vengeance, thy name is Oklahoma. So, yeah, we both have OU 3-0. Out of non-conference, big, big shock. So now we go into Big 12 play with West Virginia and Chisholm. Like a few months ago when I kind of, when the schedule got dropped and I'm looking at it and I'm trying to think where are the potential pitfalls. West Virginia, I'll be honest, I, I like I thought it then and I still think it now, has the potential for somewhat of a pitfall in terms of if OU has to have one inexplicable loss, this is one of two games that I kind of circle. Um, I have OU winning this game 42-24, to but the big reason why it's a pitfall potentially is it's right before Kansas State, which is right before Texas, and it's right after Nebraska. No one gives a crap about this game. And this OU team did not get a chance to see West Virginia last year because that game got canceled, and West Virginia's strength is going to be on their defense even though they've lost some guys to the transfer portal. Uh, this just has the potential. I mean, they still have a still brother up front and a defensive yeah. tackle. Yeah, they this, got guys. This game has the potential for somewhat of a, hey, why don't they look as good as they've looked thus far? I mean, 42-24 to 24 would kind of, kind of play into that. Um, but you hope by game four, week four, the offensive line is fairly set in terms of the units. Bimbo knows, okay, this, these are the guys I'm rolling with. This, these are rotations I'm rolling with. Uh, because they're going to need to gel by this game for sure if they're going to be able to, A, win it comfortably and convincingly and also set them up for Kansas State, Texas, and the rest of the Big 12 schedule. Depending on what happens with Tulane, obviously, this could potentially be their fourth home game in a row uh, before they have their first road game the next week in Manhattan. Uh, first I, time since 04. There you go. I, uh, I agree that I am very aware of how good I think West Virginia's defensive line is. I think Neil Brown is a hell of a coach who does not get any respect here because, you know. Bad situation. West Virginia. Uh, but I think that guy's got his head on, head on pretty straight. And Letty Brown is 
a running back. You know what I mean? Like it's not like he's a nobody. How good is Daigie at quarterback? I you know that that I'm not totally sold on. Uh, so we're gonna find out pretty early if uh, it, what see what Perry on Winfrey's got going on upstairs because uh, these defensive tackles are gonna be tested because I feel confident saying West Virginia is going to try to make those guys rush up the field. Oh yeah, past the running back who has the football. Uh, and so does Perry on Winfrey fall for that ten times or does he fall for that twice and then kind of learn his lesson? Uh, we'll see. Uh, so this is actually gonna be the first game that I assume people will probably be upset with. I'm gonna say thirty-one seventeen. I think OU this season is gonna punt a lot more than people think. Ooh. Because there's way less need to be aggressive when you have a defense you can count on. That's true. Oklahoma for years has been trying to reach sixty, so they knew they could win every game. That's not the way Lincoln Riley has to coach anymore. Yeah, because last week... On I've, third and eight, he doesn't have to try to go for the sticks. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he could punt in his own territory, and, he also, and he'll, be, he'll we, be okay. OU also has a field goal kicker that, I mean, even last year in the Big 12 title game, I think OU attempted a 56-yard field goal with Gabe Burkich, and he knocked it right through. Yeah. So, yeah, there's not that much of a need to go for it on fourth down if you're on the good side of the field. Or just be as aggressive, aggressive on third down. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think... That is the portion of this that I think a lot of people... Whenever I've brought this up before, people just think I'm being negative on OU's offense. That's not the case. I just think they can. They don't have to be as aggressive because every team isn't going to score 40 on them. Yeah. You know, and so if they can get to 30 points, I think they're going to win most games. And if that's going to be the case, I don't know how this works both ways, but you hope, at least I do, that Lincoln Riley doesn't lose his aggression as a play caller and doesn't become a little bit more conservative because he knows he has the luxury of a fairly good defense. Now, like, you you just have to be smart with it, which is, I think, where we're going to kind of find the compromise there of, like, yeah, if it's fourth and three and you're on you're on the bad side of the field, it's like, eh, just punt it. You know? Yeah. There's no need to potentially, like, make this harder than it already is. I think we might see the my favorite play in football, which is third and long and halfback draw. Oh, I – It is – Run a draw. It is, like, my favorite thing that coaches do because it is hilarious. It's hilarious how often it works in terms of if it's third and 11, they run a draw and they pick up seven yards. Hey, you're kind of in that territory of, yeah. we got seven yards. Maybe we should go for it. Yeah, so I think we might see some halfback draws in third and long this year from Oklahoma. Yeah, that'd be fun. Trust the weatherman, Jade Okay, Knowles. I hope everybody brace for impact after my statements there because, like, that's going to be a trend. I'm not going to pick Oklahoma to score 60 a lot this year. I, I, or 50, I, I have say. them scoring 60, I believe, once as a quick glance. Quick glance at the schedule prediction. So, yeah, yeah uh, 42-24 for me over West Virginia. You say 31-17. I did. So, yeah, makes a lot of sense. And now we get to the first real big test of the season, and that is on the road. Is it the first real big test, or is it more of a mental hurdle? It's a mental hurdle. I would say it's not a test. It shouldn't be. It wasn't a test last year, and it shouldn't have been a test the year before. Yeah. I agree. If you're Oklahoma, do you have the chance to win a national title every year on paper? Of course, because of the talent and the resources. And the conference. Re yeah, and the conference. Realistically, of course, is when you kind of get, no, probably not because Alabama's better, because Clemson's better, yada, yada, yada. Sure. Uh, but Kansas State is going to be kind of the game where if OU is indeed undefeated going into Manhattan, this is going to be a game where if people are kind of doubting them across the country, okay, they got over the Kansas State hurdle. This is at least a different OU team now with the right focus we'll see if that can if they can continue that yeah I have them winning on the road against Kansas State 38 to 20 but I'll admit this game has the potential in my opinion for OU to just win going away and curb stomp them because two years ago OU damn near wins in the second half after just shitting the bed in the first half and really what lost them the game was the uh, wide receiver pass that hit Rambo right in the chest that bounced off of him for a pick six 
right before uh, halftime. If that play doesn't happen, OU potentially wins in regulation. Just straight up because of the second half heroics of C.D. Lamb, basically. Um, and I'm still shocked. Keegan asked me this last week. Uh, the most pass attempts by an OU quarterback during Lincoln Riley's uh, era. Uh, Jalen Hurts did it twice, and one yeah. of them was on the road against Kansas State. So um, I, I feel like two years ago, fluky stuff happened. Last year, fluky stuff happened. I feel like OU's going to be ready for this game, and I have them clearly winning only by 18 because I do respect Skylar Howard's performance against Oklahoma because it speaks for itself. Sure. Um, I respect Deuce Vaughn. Other than that, if OU gets the ball rolling early, the talent gap's just going to be too wide, and OU could potentially win this game big time, uh, but I will kind of stick with 38-20. to 20. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm a film grinder, but I can tell you this. Uh, Deuce Vaughn's numbers in the first half of the year and the second half of the year are Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, he was not the same guy who played in Norman, right, uh, in the back half of their schedule uh, because he's their only skill position player that anyone has any fear of on Kansas State. And it was Kansas really, State. what, two or three plays in Norman? It was, yeah. It was a missed tackle. that It was a big run that I think he got out the one-yard line. There was that big pass play. Other than that, it was just a bunch of fluke shit from OU, like Seth McGowan fumbling on the 20-yard yeah. line. Uh, Spencer Rattler's dumb interception unnecessarily when he's trying to throw a uh, go route to Marvin Mims. Like, just a, a bunch of unnecessary crap happened. Sure. Um, so, I'm not super terrified of Deuce Vaughn. I think he is uh, – no knock on the kid. He's a he's a great player. Uh, but I think he's being oversold. Like, he was talking about on College Game Day, uh, the Solid Ver- Verbal Podcast, obviously, which are very popular. They talk he's about a name people know. All the time. Um, and the easy comparison to Darren Sproles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, 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 I'm just not buying that he's as good as everyone thinks he is. I think he's a fine player. Yeah. Uh, so I will go, let's call it 35-21. 35-21. I, and like I think it. that's a uh, that's a Skylar Thompson two touchdowns in the fourth quarter after getting his face kicked in by Perrion Winfrey for most of that game. You know what I mean? I think that, I think that score is 35-7. And then K State scores twice in the fourth quarter. How would you how would you say how big of a test this is for Oklahoma's defensive line? It's not. It's not. I, d- I don't see this as a big test. There's something about small running backs that can just be a little bit not necessarily. Oh, like, I think you're talking about in reference to Kansas State's offensive line. In terms of just their rushing attack, like how how they're they're not going to run Deuce Vaughn up the. I think A-gap. it's going to be. It's interesting because it's Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn like the combo. Yeah. Right, but like I don't think Kansas State's offensive line is particularly good. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I was, I, probably this is a bigger test for the linebackers, which never get talked about. I think that's yeah, that's probably a better question. Here we go, thirty-five twenty-one for Chisholm, thirty-eight twenty. Bob Perville says that's going to be the best unit on the field for the defense. Bold, yeah. yeah that, that was his. I asked him for a bold prediction last week. That was his prediction. Does get him attention? Uh, he said on the air, he didn't write it. So there you go. Does that make you feel better? Fair enough. Yeah. Texas. And I also had to drag it out of him. He's like, I hate bowl predictions. It's like, Bob, <laughs> you're going to have to give me one. Oh, Caleb Kelly's going to win the buckets. There you go. I like that one. That's bold. I like that one. Texas in the Cotton Bowl. We're going to find out fairly quickly how good Texas really is. Yeah. The two non-conference games that they could very well lose. Both picked them. I picked them to lose Louisiana week one. I think they're going to lose either to Louisiana or Arkansas. They're not going to lose both of them. And I don't think that's a shot across about Texas. I actually do think Louisiana is that good. Louisiana's good. I, I would be shocked. I'll admit, I'll admit, I'll be shocked if they lose to Louisiana. Louisiana has their attention because they beat Iowa State last year, and that rarely... The reason why it's so amazing that Kansas State's beat Oklahoma is because they beat them two years in a row. That just yeah. never, ever happens. OSU beat OU two years in a row early in Bob's run, and we still remember it because, like, wow, that 
never happens. Yeah. So Louisiana doing this twice against a Big 12 team that has talent, and Texas, even when they're bad, yeah, I, has more talent than basically anybody that they play except for OU, um, and even OU. I don't know if that's going to strike twice for Louisiana. Arkansas, that being an old rivalry, Arkansas being somewhat – they have somewhat of a pulse. I don't know how good their coach is. I mean, was it Pittman? Yeah. I don't really know how good they are, but they at least showed some capability last year. I think they'll lose to Arkansas, but even still, we'll know how good Texas is. And I, I just think – I think Sarkeesian's a good offensive mind. I think he's a good play caller. Keegan has talked ad nauseum about Pete Kwatamakwondomkowski, whatever his name is. Um, I just don't think they have the horses necessary to make it work in year one just yet. Uh, Hudson Card was named the starting quarterback uh, the other day. We will see. I wouldn't be shocked if by OU Texas it's kind of a QB platoon system where here comes Casey Thompson, here comes Hudson Card. But this is the year, just like, you know, overall big picture where there are no excuses and oh you should win basically every game this is the year where Lincoln Riley needs to beat the shit out of Texas it really should have happened last year they were up 38 to 17 going into the fourth quarter and then it oh you wins in triple overtime very unnecessarily Lincoln Riley's play calling whatever uh, there are no excuses this season oh you should definitely curb stomp Texas. I have them winning 48 or 41 to 21, which isn't very much of a curb stomping, uh, but it's certainly a, you know, in my opinion, that's a dominant win over a rival in your biggest regular season game, basically a year in and year out. Uh, I won't belabor the point because this is not a Louisiana podcast. I, I don't think you're giving the Cajuns enough credit um, about being a good football team. Uh, so as far as OU Texas goes, I think this game is just fluky. Uh, I, I like I. There's been so many times that we've gone into this weekend, and I've just like looked at the two rosters and been like, okay, so OU is drastically better, uh, and it ends up being close. I think it's just a, it's just a facet of this game, and it, it it's a multitude of reasons of how that happens. Turnovers play a role some years. Penalties play a role some years. It's always something a little bit different. Uh, and I'm gonna go. The reason this game is gonna be close is I'm gonna go kind of what my whole theme of this season is is that Lincoln Riley knows he can count on the defense, so he does not have to be as aggressive as he's been in the past. Yep. So in this case, field goals. I'm gonna say there's a couple field goals that maybe people maybe in past years might have been forced touchdowns where they try to you know be a little bit more aggressive to get into the end zone, and Lincoln decides to kick it instead. Uh, so I will say 27-21. Ooh. Uh, this game is always close. It, like I think Oklahoma is drastically the better team, drastically I, the better team, but it's just always close. Well, here's the thing. And this is this is the biggest. This is gonna be the biggest game of Steve Sarkeesian's season. I'll I'll throw this at you and see. Maybe if this kind of changes your mind a little bit, I don't I don't expect it to. But I'm I'll, easily swayed. I'll throw. Do you have five dollars? I'll change. I'll change my mind to whatever you want. Tom Herman, not a good head coach. Tom Herman is a very good motivator. He's shown that his entire career. You think I, so? Yes. Going back to Houston, I mean, they beat Florida State in the Peach Bowl. They go oh, yeah, into I mean, the, se- the next season over yeah, yeah, against whatever. Oklahoma. I, I'm thinking Texas. His time at Texas, they struggled in the non-con every season. You think that'd be an easy time to get a motivator? Well, no. Like, there's no need to be motivated when you're Texas playing lesser than's. Sure. But every time Tom Herman's teams rolled out against teams that were better, equally comparable in terms of talent, they played above their capability. And I, I think the whole. It's a rivalry game. Fluky stuff happens. Of course, that's a factor. But I think in recent, in terms of recent history, OU Texas, I think a lot of that just had to do with A, Tom Herman, and B, Sam Ellinger. Like, they had their best performances 
overall and, of course, some of their worst ones because Tom Herman just sucks um, against Oklahoma. And I think that kind of coincided with Oklahoma had a bad defense a lot of those years. Um, Oklahoma made some weird decisions play calling, uh, specifically last year. I don't know what that factor is now with C. Sarkeesian. I don't know what he is like when he goes into a game as a head coach when everyone's picking against you. And that rarely even happens, even when you're bad at the University of Texas. Like, it is definitely something. It's going to be a factor. I don't know what Steve Sarkeesian is as a motivator. And so that's why I kind of lean more towards that's another example of why this there are no excuses for this one. Oh, you needs to curb stomp them. Lincoln Riley. Uh, oh, I agree with you. There's stomp no them. excuses. That's just, it's just not what I think is going to happen. Big believer in Hudson Card. Uh, I mean, sure. He presents an athletic challenge. Yeah, like just I just like any running quarterback can do. I think the biggest question for Texas is like this very specific. Is their offensive line is not great. It's not terrible. But it's not good. Uh, and what does Steve Sarkeesian's offense look like when it doesn't have an offensive line that's just creating semi-truck holes in the defensive line, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we've really seen an example of that uh, outside of his time at USC. And, you know, I'm not going to go down the USC road with, with uh, Steve Sarkeesian. On the field, I just never really remember being, like, floored. Like, this is – they're in the right direction. Right. That's I mean, upon my further research and texting people who know this a lot more about this than I do – it was like, yeah, he never had an offensive line that he liked at USC, and that was part of the problem. He's not going to have an offensive line he likes this year at Texas. <laughs> uh, so that's my skepticism on their offense. Um, and truthfully, I'm kind of factoring in. I think there's going to be there's going to be a, a goofy play here, a punt return for Texas, or or a pick six, or a fumble recovery, or something like that. All right. So I'm going to say offense offensively, Texas puts up two touchdowns, and then OU gifts them one to make uh, it close. I like it. OU victory, even even no I'm matter not how sunshine close. and rainbows here, bro. I'm realistic. Last Texas question. How tired is Bajan, are they back? How tired is Bajan Robinson going into this game? Ooh, actually, <laughs> how many carries does he have at this point? He's, I mean, bro, please. <laughs> their entire season is based off keeping him healthy. Um, I, I don't. People are like really looking forward to year two under Sark. I mean, for obvious reasons, year two is when you kind of see the big jump, uh, and a lot of that coincides with Bajan Robinson's going to come back. I mean. How much wear and tear is he going to have going into next season? <laughs> uh, let's see. He had they have Rice, Texas Tech, and TCU the three games prior. Um, so I think that's probably a fair question. Something I'd not thought about, but yeah, you're right. Bijan Robinson. I mean, they're going to. I mean, how many carries do you think he gets a game? How many touches more so? Because he's yeah, gonna, sure carries touches. I would say about twenty five to tw- to yeah, twenty eight. I was going to say twenty four to twenty seven is my guess. Yeah. God, he's going to bless that kid's heart. Moving on to TCU, Gary Patterson, everybody knows uh, the defensive prowess he brings to the table, uh, even in the Big 12 since TCU's been a conference member. Uh, Max Duggan going into year three. A lot of people are picking TCU to potentially be a dark horse Big 12 uh, championship participant uh, team over in Iowa State, over in Oklahoma State, even over in Texas. Um, There's a lot of hype surrounding TCU. Here's the thing. Lincoln Riley, if he has think, any, if just, he has anybody's number to push back just slightly. I think there's a lot of like football nerd hype. I don't think like I know what you're talking about. I don't think it's football guys, right? Like I yeah. don't think it's you know, there's two communities in the football world, right? Like there's the people who I watch on Saturdays and I go with my gut and I'm watching this as somebody who's watched the sport for a very long time and there's, you know, the other side of it like who are looking a little bit more of a statistical analysis and projections and things like that. Those people love TCU. The former uh, do not, because uh, Gary Patterson has struggled here recently. Yeah, and 
with Gary Patterson, everybody knows, again, how good of a defense mind he is. But if Lincoln Riley's had the number of any Big 12 coach in terms of when he's able to just do whatever he wants, yeah. it's been Gary Patterson for some reason. Like, Lincoln Riley has struggled in the Texas game. Lincoln Riley has struggled against Texas Tech time and time again. But for whatever reason, the offense puts up yards and points and basically scores at will against Gary Patterson. Yeah. Um, but I have them winning this game 45-24 to 24, uh, just because somewhat of a letdown after Texas. Max Duggan? Just Big Max Duggan the, believer? The collective letdown after what will be kind of a big emotional mental test at on the road against Kansas State, followed by your biggest rival rivalry game uh, in Dallas against Texas, and then you have to play TCU, which, again, like they're, they're going to be – you know, I agree with you with the whole football guy, uh, the, the eyes test versus the numbers test. I'm definitely in the category of the eyes test. But at the same time, TCU, I feel like they showed the capability last year to be fairly good. I think they're going to be fairly good with, you know, a third-year returning quarterback. I will mention, like I've mentioned a handful of times on this podcast or through the keyhole, I think I think Chandler Morris is better. Oh, that's what I was going to say, is I don't like TCU this reason because I don't know how they're going to score points. I, like, that's I'm not, always the problem. I'm not a Max Duggan believer in the slightest. Um, and so... The way that TCU has survived is having guys like Jalen Rager, uh, having skill position players who can make big-time plays out of nothing. Uh, TCU might have that. We just don't know who it is. And so I'm just going to move forward uh, and assume that maybe that guy does not exist and maybe TCU is anemic offensively. I think that's a real possibility, that they can't score. Like, they just can't score. And so to your point about Lincoln Riley having Gary Patterson's number, I think there's a little bit of truth to that. I I don't know if that's just like a... I, I can't even like you know, but like there's this one random team that always Beats gives you, OU. yeah, the, no, but sorry, always gives a certain other team trouble for whatever reason. It's the two schemes colliding in some yeah. way, whatever. Yeah, um, I think that might be Gary Patterson's Achilles heel, heel here is Oklahoma. Uh, so I would say this is probably gonna be my ugliest game outside of Kansas uh, in the conference. <laughs> I will say fifty-two. Uh, let's call it sixteen. Fifty-two to sixteen. Yeah, I mean it's always just. TC's problem is always offense. Yeah, I'm putting a I'm putting a miss PAT in there with score predictions because they don't actually matter. I always try to factor in like random things that no one thinks about. That's always my. I goal. saw with my two eyes. I've got four eyes on right now, but I saw over the weekend with my two eyes three missed extra points: two in the Nebraska game How? and one in the UCLA Hawaii game. And I, obviously, I'm not sitting here keeping up with the All Big Ten Special Teams <laughs> awards from last year, but apparently that kicker didn't miss a kick last season. He's going through the old Michael Honeycutt drop off where he he was probably the best kicker in the country uh, in 2013 and then 2014 he misses three kicks against Kansas State I can't like I can't wrap my head around it that was that was the most fun I've had watching a football game in over a calendar year I was I was enthralled yeah it was it was incredible television because I, I, I had Illinois yeah. plus seven and a half and the under so not only was I cheering against Nebraska for the hilarity of it yeah I was also like holy crap I'm gonna win some money on the most ridiculous bet I've placed in a while and this is why every point matters I mean obviously you score one more point than your opponent you win but um if nebraska makes those extra points if everything still goes according to plan how it played out nebraska has the ball with the chance to go ahead for the go-ahead victory right and how does that change their play calling i don't know it definitely doesn't change the fact that adrian martinez cannot throw forward especially to the left god it was it was so bizarre (laughs) to watch him miss every throw to the left and i was like okay scott like you just need to start calling pass plays to the right side because (laughs) i i've never seen anything like you got to keep the defense honest i've never seen anything (laughs) like it (laughs) yeah oh poor nebraska oh well 
at Kansas in Lawrence. Leopold, do anything for you, Chisholm. I think he's a good football coach. Um, now I, I say fifty-two to three. I think is so over. Like he was on, you know, ESPN to the top one hundred coach of all time this off season. He was like forty-fourth all-time coaches. And you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have a whole lot of takes about <laughs> Buffalo football or Whitewater, wherever he was before. I'm sure this guy has it. You know, who was Bud Wilkinson's coach at Minnesota when they won three natties? These are, these are that, that guy. You know, and so like, he seems like a smart guy. Uh, I'll say this: a Big Twelve media day. The thing that stood out to me that is a they weren't there, uh, and b whenever he did his press conference, he was holding on to the podium like an you know Eastern European dictator telling us he was going to invade. Like he looked aggressive. He looked of a different generation. And he made I, you uncomfortable. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I, like, I just, I don't know how else to put this. I just don't know how that's going to translate. Maybe Kansas needs a swift kick in the butt, but that strikes me as something that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way at the Division One level. Uh, and that, like, that personality works great if you're competitive and you're winning, right? Like Wisconsin, we can all think of Indiana, all of these teams that play that type of football and have that type of coaching, they win football games. If you're Owen whatever, and some guy is jumping down your throat and telling you how stupid you are, like that has a shelf life. Shout out to the New York football giants, right? Like that has a shelf life. And I just, I'm, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I like the hire. Like I get that he's accomplished and that guy makes a ton of sense at me hiring somewhere that's had more success and not starting at ground zero. I mean, Kansas has no choice. And I guess they're taking a cue. And they were so late in the process too, obviously. Yeah. And I guess they're taking a cue from their fellow big 12 state school, Kansas state hiring from, that level of college football from a coach that yeah, had but Coach Climate strikes me as a different kind of guy, different kind of guy, but just a, a head coach that had a lot of success at a lower that, level, at sure. That level, sure. And so maybe you can replicate just it because with Kansas, you're just hoping for give us something to look forward to in terms of I see a development here, I see that there's an identity. Like they need basic things like that, just like Oklahoma's defense needed a few years ago. Just give OU's defense an identity so that you can latch onto something and look for progression and development in individual players as the weeks kind of go on. That's what Kansas needs just overall as a football program. Yeah, the, the one wild card I put in for the Kansas Jayhawks um, is the fact that they obviously had, I think it was 13 transfers from Buffalo, 14 transfers from Buffalo, uh, and those kids could play. They were pretty good last year. Um, so does that mean they're going to beat Oklahoma? Not a chance. Um, does that mean they're going to really win any Big 12 game? Maybe Tech, if they get lucky, like if everything breaks their direction in that ball game. But maybe they're a little bit better than they were last season. I don't know. I'm just not – I don't know. I'm skeptical. Score at all? Does it matter? Do they score? Yeah. Uh, I will say they do score. Let's give them three points. Um, and I'll say uh, Lincoln is going to know this game is not interesting. Let's call it 45-3. to three. 45 to 3. That does sound boring. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're, is the, are, are those 45 points spread out? If so, that's boring and kind of concerning. Oh, yeah. Or, or is it all in the first quarter, second quarter, and then it's like nothing in the second half? How about this? Running I'll, clock. Let's I'll go a running clock. I'll go one step further. Um, Kennedy Brooks has 145 yards rushing in this ballgame. Brooks has 145. Like, and like I, I think a, rushing. A, a majority of those are going to come in the first half. I think I think Oklahoma is going to quote unquote sit on the ball, but by sitting on the ball, they're going to score touchdowns on accident. But like I think the clock is going to run a lot in this ball game. Just fall down at the goal line. Yeah, like I think I mean I just I think Oklahoma's going to kind of score at will. They're just going to try to do it maybe as slowly as possible. Exactly. Texas Tech the day before Halloween in Norman Chisholm, and 
I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this. I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but if there's one thing I have bitched and moaned about this season, it's the fact that this is OU's ninth game in a row. They have not had a bye week yet. Yeah. Their bye week is after Texas Tech. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, it is a tough schedule. The only benefit there is obviously they have Oklahoma State and Iowa State at the end of the year. Um, if those two games would have been prior to the bye with Texas, now you're looking at yourself going, holy Attrition, crap. Yeah. It, like ankle rolls, like minor little injuries that can you know affect how you p- call plays. Right, right. Uh, and we don't have anybody coming back from suspension uh, to this game, so we don't <laughs> need to factor that in. Uh, Knock on wood. Yeah, I... I Again, all you know, my first year doing this full time, uh, I usually get a lot more access to these people. Obviously, COVID last year, so I, I don't have any more insight than I did it, uh, you know, this time a season ago. But I spent some time down at uh, Big Twelve Media Day, and I talked to Matt Wells, and that guy strikes me as someone who's let go of the rope. Like yeah. I, th- I think he can kind of see the writing on the wall. And the championship th- runs through Norman. Yeah, like I think that he doesn't quite see the path out for Texas Tech's relevancy anymore. And maybe Tyler Show out of Oregon is awesome. He's not, by the way. Uh, I don't. I don't think so either. <laughs> Keegan's done a fairly good job on through the keyhole with the uh, Oregon quarterback or whatever his name is. Uh, uh, film breakdown. Yeah, he's he's not good. Yeah, and so, I mean, there's a reason he's leaving Oregon, right? Um, maybe he maybe he turns his whole career around and turns into a superstar. I don't see it. Obviously, they lost a couple of those big time receivers like Vasher uh, to the NFL this past year. Who shout out? I think he's still on the Cowboys roster as it stands right now. Ooh. Uh, it looks like he might have an outside chance of making the 53 man roster. Um, so Texas, is, Texas Tech has a really good secondary, a really experienced secondary, and that's about as nice as I can be. Like I, I got nothing else, right? Um, so it's the day before the bye. It's the game before the bye week. Uh, so maybe there's a little bit of like a holy crap when you get a day Pro- off here. Probably a homecoming. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll get a day off here. Um, so I said fifty-seven thirteen. I can't remember if I said it out. I'll go thirty-eight-seven. 38 to 7 dominant victory going into the bye. So like week. Our, all of our margins are the same or at least in the ballpark. I'm just fairly. I'm just going defense holds teams to less and the offense scores less. It's That's be been a, more a little bit more my logic. Absolute culture shock for OU fans. Why aren't they scoring so much? Where's the 70 burger? We need the 70 burger. And as we go through these games for the season prediction podcast, I guess every once in a while we'll kind of bounce back and forth to Nebraska. Uh, this is just coming from S- Steve Merrick, uh, who I assume covers Nebraska. Um, Frost, Scott Frost on the offense at Illinois. I guess Scott Frost is having his uh, press conference. Quote, about half our game plan was out the window when they lined up how they did. <laughs> I don't even know how what? to. What? <laughs> Did they run like a 5-2 or something? <laughs> I don't mean to make a dig here, but that sounds like a Mike Gundy quote after Bedlam. Like that, oh, just absolute excuse-mongering? Like, what the hell is that? Yeah. It is excuse-mongering that's a bad excuse. I say this all the time on the air. If you're going to lie, lie well. If you're going to make an excuse, come up with a good one. Because if you come up with a crappy lie or a crappy excuse, you sound like an idiot. That is, that is fucking terrible. That's a crappy excuse. Your whole job is to be prepared. Your whole job. <laughs> That is terrible. You're not the guy holding up the pad when they come through the drills in practice. You're not the guy filling up the water bottles. You're a glorified preparation machine. That's his whole job. Oh, boy. He's not running the drills or blowing the whistle. <laughs> Head coaches don't do anything other than get ready for the games mentally. That's like 95% of their gig. I watched um, a few weeks, a few months ago, I watched 2016 uh, OU OSU. Everybody keeping track out there. Uh, this was before my Mike Stoops cleanse, so I'm not breaking the rules here. But I watched 2016 Bedlam, and there was that fourth and short on OU side of the field, like in the 
late first quarter, early second quarter, and Mike Gundy punts it, and it was like from that moment, it's like here's Mike yeah. in Bedlam, and OU just kind of took control from there because it was a back and forth game that OSU was quite frankly dominating. So there we go. Bye I railed week. on the Bedlam stuff enough. Bye week, and then on the road. I just want a good game in Bedlam. Can I just get a good game in Bedlam? There have been good games in Bedlam. Entertaining well, to the casual viewer that has no pool for I mean, OU like, or OSU. Both teams playing their best kind of a game. Like, oh, wow, both of them throwing haymakers here. Who's going to come out on top? Most of the time, it feels like a weird slap fight where OU just lands on top of them, like the, the bigger brother. Is the only Bedlam game that falls under that category 2004? Yeah, probably. Because 2013, OSU was the better team. Yeah. And they shat the bed. Yeah, the times OU has lost, like they've either 2011, they were clearly the, the worst team, and that wasn't a good game. The other times that they've lost have been um, OU shot the bed. 2014, 2002, 2001. Uh, the Taylor Cornelius season, I kind of liked. I kind of enjoyed that football game. That was ugly though, ugly on both teams. Who was what game was that? Taylor Cornelius had two point conversion to win it at the end. Threw it too far outside. Oh well. I, I don't recognize those defenses. I'm on a cleanse. Baylor on the road <laughs> in Waco. And at this point, uh, Chisholm, you have OU undefeated through their first nine games up until their bye week. Oh, look at me. There you go. Sooner Homer, Chisholm Holland. This is the other game when I was talking about potential pitfalls that I circled. And a lot of it just... Yep. And a lot of it just has <laughs> to deal with the fact that they literally play nine games... And they'll no doubt find some rhythm, and then it just ends. Yeah. And it's the game Coming before Iowa week. State, yeah, maybe. and it's the game before Oklahoma State. Dave Aranda, I have a lot of respect for as a defensive coach. I don't know what he is as a head coach just yet. Um, the offense is going to be a gigantic question mark for Baylor. Uh, Baylor is like on the, the tail end of dark horse Big 12 team that I've seen just chatter across the country when people talk oh, about Big 12. I think that's crazy. I think it's crazy too, but... This is the the one loss I have for OU for all those reasons. I just think you find that rhythm in nine games and then you take your foot off the gas with this offense that we've already seen have trouble keeping their foot on the gas. I can see let down city for this one. And, and Dave I, Aranda is obviously the coach who had the most success yeah. last year. And that's and that's the well, I, he said that and even I was like, "Okay, are you going to throw some context in there? There's another reason why OU didn't look very good in that game. Their entire week of Practice and preparation was a shit show, and Bob Stoops was coaching the defense. So there are reasons well, why. Bob Stoops won a national championship. What have you done lately? I, I, I took the trash out. There you okay? go. Good job. I cleaned up a little bit because I knew you were coming over. Thank you. I have OU losing thirty-one, losing to twenty-eight. Wow. I, I look. I, I clearly. Not, no, I no, no, clearly no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Sun, Let me explain my wow. Season. Let me explain my wow. It's not that they lost. It's that you could see them. That Baylor scoring thirty one points, I can see Oklahoma losing. I mean, a handful of these. Like, there's scenarios. Well, they're not going to win three to nothing. No, no, no. no I agree there. They're not going to win seventeen to fourteen. How does Baylor get to thirty one? How does Skyler Howard? Is it Skyler Howard or Skyler Thompson, Kansas State's quarterback? Kansas State Skyler Thompson. Skyler Thom Howard was at West Virginia. Yeah, and I've always confused them. How does Skylar Thompson throw for like over 350 against OU and look like shit against everybody else in this conference? Like weird things happen. And okay. if OU's gonna okay, have a okay, if okay. OU's gonna have a bad day, it's probably just gonna coincide with everything Baylor does just works. And it's gonna okay. be it's gonna be that one inexplicable loss that you look back on, you know, a day or so later and you just point to like 
so many examples of oh you had a chance here to come back and win oh you, if they score here they you know that someone didn't execute on the offensive line somebody dropped a pass um bad throw by spencer rattler for an interception if those don't happen they win an ugly game now maybe that's the big test for this team that ou needs to simply answer is that they win a game that you start watching it here are all the symptoms of their one inexplicable loss but if this team is truly different they can conquer that and they can win an ugly game and that's something I'm potentially looking forward to doing a post game with you, Chisholm, is that we get on and say, this is a game that over the last four or five years OU loses. They won it barely. I don't care how ugly it was. I don't care how bad they look. They won this one inexplicable loss. Sure. That shows to me that this program has taken a step. Yeah. But well, I'm I still winning games you should lose is something that Alabama, Ohio State claims yeah. it does. Now I still have them winning the national championship, so obviously I guess they just don't pass that test. Does that mean Baylor gets like a small piece of the trophy? Do we do, send them a thank you guard? Do they win the regular season Big 12 championship, the much coveted regular season Big 12 championship? <laughs> Iowa State, man. They're proud to claim it. Um, <laughs> I So I was actually going to make this one close. I'm not going to call this one a Baylor win. I'll go 24-17. 24-17. Baylor? No, no, no. Oklahoma. Or Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. All right. All right. You've, you've called them OU to lose one game in the regular season. I have. Here comes Iowa State coming to Norman. The Cyclones. I have OU winning I over Iowa State forty five to thirty five. Yeah, is, I, is this their loss? So Iowa State is a team that I have. Don't you pick them to lose Bedlam? Chisholm. I have <laughs> I have wrestled with all off season because I think they're fine. I think they're a good football team, but people are. I mean, if they I, they won close calls last year that I think have the potential to bounce back the opposite direction yeah so you're, you're i mean you're stealing my thunder here i watched Iowa State play a lot of games last year they should have lost and they yep. they won in fluky and sometimes dramatically you know dramatic fashions on their own behest like power to them for winning games they weren't supposed to last season i don't think a team can do that two years in a row i think that uh if they come out and they drop some of the the eggs that they do in first halves like they did last year I think they lose more games than they did. Um, so I've, I have really struggled with the Iowa State. Come on now. They got NFL players. They're, they can be a sneaky national championship contender. Not a chance. Not a chance. Iowa State is closer to Texas and Oklahoma State than they are to OU. They just are. This is a different ball game. And so, that being said, uh, when I look at this Iowa State matchup and I think about who I think Oklahoma is going to be and who I think Iowa State is going to be, and hint, I think Iowa State is going to be kind of who they were last year. Um, I don't trust Brock Purdy. I don't trust. Me neither. I don't trust Brock Purdy a little bit. Uh, and so I think Oklahoma is going to come to this ball game and say, "Okay, Brees Hall, we're going to give you sixty-five yards." After the, you know, I mean, like we're you're you're not you're not running wild on us. He had like sixty or eighty in the Big Twelve title game, right? Yeah, like so, like we're, we're, you're not you're going to have a, a a game, but you're not going to be like the Heisman Trophyist on this field. Yeah, and if you want to beat us. Brock Purdy's going to put this thing in the air 32 times and get into the end zone. like And not throw it to us. Right. And, like, <laughs> I don't think he can do that. I just don't. Because uh, I think the secondary is going to be pretty good for Norman. Uh, so, that being said, uh, I don't even know if I think this is close. I, I've told my friends that the likely, just kind of like how I feel with Texas this year where there needs to be a curb stomping and all signs should be pointing in that direction this season. OU's games against Iowa State the last handful of years against Matt Campbell, there have been some weird, fluky things that have happened to greatly 
uh, to Iowa State's great advantage to make it appear like they're on somewhat of a level playing field. Um, the Jalen Hurts game, OU dominated the first half, and then Jalen Hurts showed up. Um, the 2017 game, that was... My OU's, starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. That was <laughs> OU... Well, here comes Minshew. Yeah, Minshew mania, baby. <laughs> uh, the 2017 game, OU falls asleep you know, in the second half, and Iowa State takes advantage, and the defense showed itself uh, from the 2017 uh, team. Uh, last year in Ames, there were how many drop touchdown passes that were absolute dimes thrown by Spencer Rattler? Fifteen, it felt like. Yeah, how, I think it was actually how many drive extending penalties happened in that game when OU got Shout Iowa to Buki. Yeah, Buki, Trey Brown, Trey Norwood drop or had a handful of missed tackles. Patrick Fields had two drop picks. So, like all that to say, OU has dominated the series even recently against Matt Campbell. But I kind of agree with you in that. OU has kind of shot themselves in the foot. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot at all, and they took their foot off the gas in the Big 12 title game last year, they yeah. don't take their foot off the gas, it could get ugly. Yeah. So I'm going to say 35-17. 35-17. Uh, no, they call it 35-20. 35-20. Uh, give them an extra field goal. Uh, shout out to Ass Alley, the field goal kicker <laughs> there for uh, Iowa State. Um, and that's just, I mean... Again, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't. I don't see Iowa State as this perennial powerhouse that we all need to respect in a lot of ways. And I think, yeah. I think, uh, based off talking to Nick Benito, that neither does Oklahoma. And I think they are yeah. very excited about the opportunity to try to maybe show that last year was a little bit of a fluke, and that OU is the better team. So I think Oklahoma comes into this ball game at home and is fired up to play. I think. I think. I'm not worried about motivation against the Cyclones. Unfortunately, Iowa State can't wear their black jerseys in Norman, so I don't, I don't know what. I don't know what superpower they're going to they think they're going to have. So that's true. Final game of the regular season, Bedlam, Stillwater, potentially the last Bedlam game ever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy that either. Uh, that could be a whole. I could yell for forty-five minutes about that. Good. Um, I'll let you go first because you have them losing one game. I do. I do. I do. And here so you here's go. So here's my thought process. <laughs> so if you've noticed, I've talked a lot about these. Uh, all of these decisions I've made is, is who I think this Oklahoma team is, which is a defensive first team that has a superstar quarterback who presses too much and makes mistakes sometimes. I think that's all fair to say. Uh, I don't know if that's really out of the realm of possibility. Spencer Rattler is incredible. Might win the Heisman Trophy doing the things I'm talking about. Uh, but he does set himself up for moments where he is trying to be bigger than the moment, uh, which leads to mistakes. Yep. That being said, the layup... I'm going to buy Spencer Sanders. <laughs> no, the layup here is, okay, so Chisholm, that's what you think about Oklahoma. Who could take advantage of that? A team who is good on defense, which I think Oklahoma State is. I don't they know, are. I don't know if you'll argue with me there. So therefore, they can maybe force Rattler into some mistakes, um, maybe get some extra possessions, and then kind of play the, the football that has worked against OU in the past, which is, we're terrified to throw it. So we're going to run it a lot more than we throw it, and I think... I'm hesitant with this one. This is why I've wrestled with Oklahoma State so much, is I think their identity should be... Running the football. Run ball first, second, third, fourth down. Like That should be their identity. I'm not totally positive Mike Gundy's going to pull that trigger because he loves throwing it. Um, even when he doesn't have a quarterback who can throw it. Shout out to Taylor Cornelius. He still throws it. Uh, but if that is the identity they have, and if Spencer Sanders is as average of a Big 12 quarterback as I think he can be, I'm not going to sit here and act like he's going to be... You know, second-best quarterback in this league. If Oklahoma State is in Stillwater, they get a couple more stops than you're thinking, they hold on to the ball for a couple more minutes than you're thinking, and they're relying on a QB run game with a running back stable. I mean, they're complete opposite of Oklahoma. They have four guys who are competing for that starting job yep. in Stillwater. 
and I hate to you know take the layup here. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma is coming off their "quote unquote" biggest win of the year at home, traveling up to a road game, and they're already counting the chips about being in the college football playoff. Chisholm, please think of ration, like think rationally. <laughs> I, I, I think I am. I think I am. Other than, and this is, you know, a hilarious thing to say. Other than the history, <laughs> other than the history, which again does not matter. Not to me. It doesn't right. matter when you're playing the game. It doesn't. It does not matter to me. I understand if it matters to fans. I understand if it matters to people who are making picks on TV. I get yes. all that. Like I don't blame anybody for using different rationale than I am. I'm just thinking about how I think these two football teams are going to be playing, and I think Oklahoma State will obviously have a couple of losses this year. They probably shouldn't, and I think Oklahoma State is going to really want this game. Like I don't think Oklahoma State is coming in undefeated. Yeah. And so I think OU will not need the game. Oklahoma State will need the game. In Stillwater, a quarterback who maybe makes some mistakes and Spencer Rattler against a really, really good defense and a team that tries to hold on to the ball. Tell me if you've heard Oklahoma lose a game like that before in the past. No, I mean, they have. That, you set it up that in that scenario. That That's a symptom game of like an inexplicable loss. Right. Um, shout out to Robert Allen. It's going to be, you know, potentially hazardous for him. I hate <laughs> that I'm on the same. I didn't realize I was on the same side until just now, but uh, yeah, that's true. Um, Robert's a good guy. Yeah. And, I, and this look, is not look, me like pumping up Oklahoma State. Like I, no, no, no. I, I know what you mean. Like, I think it's just a situation thing for me. Yeah, Oklahoma State to me, I don't have them in, in the Big Twelve title game. But if you ask me who's my dark horse, it's Oklahoma State. Sure. Um, it just really comes down to can Spencer Sanders finally make a leap of just taking care of the football? You don't have to make home run plays. Just if he just doesn't fumble. In big games, if he doesn't throw a bad pass for yeah. an interception, yeah, I think it's all the, fair. OSU is at least in position to win some games that they've lost under like once he's been the quarterback, yeah. and that that's what you want. I think in this State conference, should... if you have the ball last with a chance to win, yeah, that's all you can ask for. I think Oklahoma State should throw the ball twenty-two times a game. No, you're treating Max. Spencer Sanders like how I wanted Josh Heupel to treat Trevor Knight. Like, ask absolutely, him, ask him to throw the ball twenty to twenty-five times and then run the other half. Right, yeah. Um, and then use some AJP, Ryan. Use use these running backs. If they have four, again, this is just me taking Oklahoma State at their word, which is probably, you know, false. I, they probably have two running backs they like a lot, but they're saying they have four. And the, all four of those guys are going to get carries. Yeah, well, use them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll throw them back there and use them. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess that's where my thought process comes in. And maybe it's just because I want it to be interesting here at the end of the season. What's your score? I'll go 31-27. 31-27. So is late game... Late game heroics. Oh no 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 or no! Or is it just? I think this is a Spencer Rattler has the ball, ninety seconds left, and has to go eighty five yards, and doesn't get it done. And it, and again, this is uh, I would say that is more about I think Spencer Rattler presses sometimes, and I think that defense is really really good in Stillwater. Fair enough. The best players make the best plays, and so, for Oklahoma State, that's the defense. So I'm hedging on history. It's fine. It makes sense. Because this is... Probably makes a lot more sense than what I just did. This is not only the second game that we disagree on in terms of the result. Um, it's probably our... I feel better about disagreeing with you on West Virginia. It's our biggest disagreement. Or Baylor, I mean. In terms of margin. I have OU winning 63-17. to 17 There you go. Because of... Just because of history. If this is potentially the last Bedlam game to be played for some foreseeable future, if, that's, if OU does go to the SEC next year... I can't see a scenario where OU loses Bedlam forever, quote-unquote. Because you know that's what OSU fans would say is, we won Bedlam forever! 
until it's played again. Hey, I mean, there's more on fans in every fan base, yes. Well, I mean, I say that with Nebraska. Oh, you beat Nebraska in the... Well, you better hold on to your bootstraps. Oh, boy. September oh, boy. 18th, it might change. All right, so there's your regular season prediction. Like I said, uh, Chisholm doesn't really have any thoughts on playoff opponents. It's just because, like, it's so... Like, I, man, it's, it's very hard. It, I don't this wanna... is different than so many other years because I can't just be like, oh, they have Trevor Lawrence, they have Justin Fields, right? Okay, so those two teams are in. You know what I mean? Like, I can't play that game this year. I don't I don't know anything about those other five schools out there who can probably win the national championship. Do you at least have a Big 12 opponent in the Oh, Big 12 title game? Yes. I'd probably say Texas if you had to make me guess. Wow. That. In Sark's first year. Yeah, and I and I I say that entirely based on the fact that I think they're in. Some people on my show might be a little guilty of this. I think there's some overhyping of the middle class of the Big 12 right now. I think two through five are all pretty good football teams. Yeah. And I don't think any of them are really, really good. And so I think that's a little bit more product of the situation. Less about, oh, Texas is awesome. More about Texas just happened to be the team with the least amount of losses out of that group. Yeah, and maybe that's a factor, kind of what I was talking about with the opposite um, going into the OU Texas game, that you lose with Tom Herman, kind of the motivational factor yeah. that I believe was a thing. Maybe things get cleaned up on the outsides in terms of when Texas plays TCU, maybe they don't shit the bed. Maybe when Texas plays Oklahoma State, they're a little bit more, they play a little bit more of a clean football game. Even though they won last year against Oklahoma State, it's still been an up and down series the last handful of years. So, yeah, I mean, talent wise, Texas probably should. Because it's Texas, um, yeah. Score prediction or just overall result? Does OU for for the championship? OU Texas. Uh, this one I can actually see getting away because it's not in the Cotton Bowl, um, and Oklahoma has dominated uh, while they've been in Dallas. I'll say today. I'll say forty-two twenty-one. How about that? Forty-two twenty-one. I'll give them twenty-eight. Let's say Texas gets the mercy touchdown at the end to make them feel better. So almost my prediction uh, for the Texas game in the Cotton Bowl forty-one twenty-one. So there you go. There you go. Oh, you winning the national title this year? Are they winning a playoff game? I think they have a shot. Um, where I struggle is where I stand right now without watching any of these teams play. Uh, I can cross out Nebraska. They were on my short list until Saturday. <laughs> um, without seeing any of these teams, with CJ Stroud, who I watched tape of him in high school, and he looks really fun, but who the hell knows? Yeah. Uh, Bryce Young, who is a guy who, you know. I hope he's grown. Yeah, like, in, like his tape in high school is really, really fun. And Lincoln Riley loved him. But who the hell knows? Um, you know, and DJ Uyunglele, who we saw for two games, uh, and so I feel a little bit better about that. It's just hard to know, right? Like, yeah. I feel like there's so much. You got you, once you get tape on these kids, that's when you right, know like, if they're truly good. What happens if one of these kids is Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? We just don't know it yet, right? I didn't like, think Spencer Rattler was truly like legitimate until about week seven or eight because it's like by this point everybody has tape on him but he's still throwing NFL passes. Sure. So yeah. it's like okay, he's clearly good. Yeah, and so like like. You know, what happens if one of those kids sucks, right? And, like, all of a sudden now Ohio State is trotting out the uh, the 18-year-old who enrolled early, whatever his name is. Is that legal? Well, he's enrolled. He's a, he's a part of the football team. What's his name? The kid out of Texas? Quinn Ewers? Quinn Ewers, yeah. Uh, I mean, they trot him out there. I mean, like, hell if I know. Like, And just David Carr, his so career. I, <laughs> so my point is, is I can make the case that any of those teams can win the national championship because the quarterback that we don't know is incredible or... Any of those teams don't make the college football playoff because their quarterback is a disaster. Mm. It, and it's usually we have one of those teams out of the five, right? The five schools that are always in the conversation. This year we have three and a half with JT Daniels. Uh, 
so I struggle. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've been copping out every time someone's asked me. I cop out every time someone asks me for the national champion. By the way, I think JT Daniels might actually suck and just had a good end. I don't, I'm not a believer in him. I'll, I'll go on the record saying that. I think he actually sucks, but he just happened to have a good, like, what, four game stretch? Yeah, and also Georgia will have no one to throw to for at least the first five or six games. Yeah, and they're the, all hurt. Yeah, and the yeah, and the news about the uh, the number one corner out there too, uh, the guy who's supposed to be you know their their first round draft pick also yeah. going down with an ankle injury against is not gonna be able to play against Clemson. I think all that stuff matters. So I know Georgia's very high on Keegan's list, I, and I'm not saying they wouldn't be high on my list if they're fully healthy. Just with who they have on the field going into that Clemson game, I think I'll probably take the Tigers. Kirby Smart QB development, not a believer. That's kind of my big picture. I think Kirby Smart could really pay kids to come play football, but I don't think he can uh, coach football games. Exactly. All right. There you go, kids. Oklahoma's season prediction. You know what? I take it back. Uh-oh. Coastal Carolina, Natty. They'll go undefeated. <laughs> they they won't get... play in the national championship game, but they'll claim it. They still How about get, that? They still get the mullet kid at a quarterback? They do. What's his name? Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, you know, the other one, I'll go with Liberty. I'll go Liberty and Coastal Carolina. Both go undefeated. Is that still... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his... God, I can't remember anybody's name. He could light the world on fire, though. Oh, Ole Miss's head coach. Got oh, talk. you're talking about the head coach, not the quarterback. Yeah. I don't know the head coach's name. Oh, boy. Uh, but the the uh, the quarterback has the outside chance of getting, uh, <laughs> getting drafted Malik Willis in the first round. Um, so put me down on that one. Put me down on that one. I think Liberty, Coastal Carolina both go undefeated, and they both claim the national championship, a la UCF. Liberty, Coastal Carolina go undefeated. I got it. All right, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed the preseason prediction pod with my OU Sooner postgame show on 107.7 The Franchise. Co-host. Our ratings go down. I'm blaming this podcast. Well, you know, what are you going to do? But hold us accountable. You know, Do those things. Um, we're going to have fun with At this. At Chisholm Holland. I'm ready to hear the holy hell he picked him to win Bedlam. Yeah, and don't be afraid to call in on Triple M. When do you guys do that? 5 to 520 every day. 5 till 520, Monday through Friday. Uh, what's the phone number again? 405-460-1077. Little Cedars Hot and Ready Hotline. Very easy. And then you'll talk to Chisholm. Mostly for, Sam. Ex- Most people call in and talk well, to Sam. Well, you'll talk to Chisholm first, except for on Mondays. You'll probably talk to Matt Burton. Yes, that's true. So be nice to your franchise producers. But hold us accountable. Other than that, Chisholm, thank you so much for jumping into the kitchen and Thanks for uh, having, me. having some fun with me. So looking forward to another fun season. Maybe we'll have an extra home game this uh, coming week. We will know in the next few hours, hopefully. But everybody, thank you so much for listening to Inside OU. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow on our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole on Tuesday evening. And then, of course, our Thursday pod previewing Oklahoma into lane in depth with Keegan looking forward to that. But until next time, everybody boomer sooner, and we will talk to you later.